If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Together, we are one voice. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Child sexual abuse doesn't end in childhood. It has lasting effects. And I've realized over the course of my journey and just journeying with so many other sexual abuse survivors over the past few years that part of the baggage we sexual abuse survivors often carry into adulthood is just a big suitcase full of lies. We have lies we believe about ourselves, our worth, our identity, uh, lies that we believe about other people or even gender or lies about the world in general, lies about God. And Mary, I've talked to you quite a bit about my personal suitcase of lies, the things that I struggle with even today. I think the biggest one for me, even still, is no one can be trusted. But there's a lot of other ones that I've struggled with. I know you've shared with me, mm-hmm. um, and just we hear through email constantly. Other lies like nobody is safe. Nobody will protect me. Nobody can understand me. Nobody cares about my needs. Nobody could love me. Nobody wants to be around me. These are just common lies that we carry with us as a result of the pain and the confusion and the shame that we experienced as kids. It's interesting to see how these lies can manifest themselves in different ways. And one lie that I think is at the top of my list that I've struggled with for so many years is the lie that no one can ever protect me. And that has then resulted in me becoming a control freak. And this started at a very young age, and I still battle with that every single day. I feel like as long as I have a really tight grip on things, life's okay because I'm the one who gets to call the shots. That was taken from me at a very young age, and I'm getting it back, and no one is going to take that away from me. But as I've seen in my life, that causes a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and it makes me fear the future. And that's not a good, healthy place to be. I struggled with that same thing for years and years. I believed I had to be in charge of everything to keep from becoming hurt. And I think there's a lot of others that I've struggled with myself. I know I touched on quite a few of them in my book, Hush. The perfectionist, I know that Mary and I have both struggled with that from time to time and just wanting everything to look and to be perfect and just being really, really busy too. (laughs) I think that that has kind of helped to sort of numb the pain and to push away those lies out, out of your mind and just to help you to feel like... You know, if you're in control, you don't have to trust anyone. And that, I think, is the root of a lot of these kinds of things. Um, There's another one, you know, being a people pleaser. For me, it was the same thing, just constantly being involved and doing whatever I could, work, 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 so that everyone else around me was happy when probably deep down I was not happy. I can totally relate to that. And I've also found myself being a tough girl. Uh, Even on the inside, I would be hurting and suffering so much. 
I didn't know how to ask for help and I was not about to ask for help. So I just put up this thick armor. No one was getting in. I could handle anything, would not shed a tear. But behind closed doors, there were a lot of tears because that's when I could actually take the armor off and let the true emotion come out. Uh, But it was like a protecting thing that I didn't want to let anybody in to get to the real me because I was still so hurt and damaged by someone I trusted. So I'm never letting anybody in again. I've heard a lot of other survivors say over the course of hearing stories that the power to control their emotions was a way that they could protect themselves from other people hurting them. So it's still always resulting in just trying to be in control. One other type of coping and a way of disguising your pain and getting your power back is the princess in a tower. And I talk about this in in Hush, just how growing up, it was almost like I wanted to be so safe and independent and not in a place where I had to depend on anyone or trust anyone. So I built these walls up around me. And so it wasn't so much this like fairy tale princess in a tower. It was more of just like isolating myself and, and building walls so that I could be up high above everyone else doing my own thing and not have to submit to anyone else. So as kids, someone took our power from us. They controlled us. And as adults, we want to get that power back. And that's how these coping mechanisms sort of turn the tables for us. It's a way of, you know, as we're coping with our pain, we realize that we can actually have power again, but we're using it in an unhealthy way. So the control freak, the the perfectionist, the people pleaser, the, the tough girl, the princess in the tower, these are all ways that we try to get our power back. It's how we try to survive something terrible. And it got us through certain points and seasons in our life. And these ways of coping become our identity. We rely on them as our security blanket to just survive and get through life. And it may be something you've struggled with for years and then you think you hit it head on and heal from it, but then it bubbles back up to the surface again and you find yourself living in that place once again. And all of those means of coping can eventually become super exhausting. You know, as an adult trying to just always live as the control freak or constantly pleasing everyone else, it can become really overwhelming. And so what once helped you find freedom from the pain in the past and and your powerlessness now is getting power over you. And so that's the point of what we're trying to share with you today is now you're at a place where you don't want that coping mechanism to now have power over you. Now you want to get your power back. You want freedom from what was once imprisoning you. And so I think that it's so important as an adult to have a safe place, a safe person, you know, whether you're actually taking that huge step and talking to a licensed counselor and you have that safe, confidential environment and this person that you can open up to about anything, or maybe you're taking baby steps. Maybe you're thinking about telling your friend or um, your partner or whoever it might be about some of these issues that you're struggling with. You don't even have to talk about your abuse yet. You can just talk about the coping that you're struggling with at this point. But either way, the point is talking helps to validate your experience and your feelings. It helps you find a safe person that you can kind of run to when you need accountability. You'll always know that you're not alone when you have someone else that you're talking to about your struggles. Just opening up to others so that you can receive comfort and encouragement 
those are all ways of disguising the pain and the shame that you feel. But there's also a means of coping that is damaging, the power to damage yourself. Most of the damaging coping is rooted in shame. And our shame as a sexual abuse survivor would be rooted in lies that we believe about ourselves, especially the lie that the abuse was somehow our fault. And I honestly, in 14 years now of speaking out about sexual abuse, have yet to meet a survivor that hasn't struggled with thinking that it was their fault. That false belief causes us to not only feel rejected by other people, but it also causes us to reject ourselves, even to the point of self-hatred. It can lead to abnormal behaviors, things like eating disorders and self-injury. One of the easiest ways to get power over our bodies is to control our food intake. And so this is why so many abuse survivors develop eating disorders. I found myself in a relationship which I thought was it. This was the one. I was at a point where, you know, I could marry this person or whatever. And he still didn't know. But I didn't feel like I needed to talk about it because why? Nobody, you know. And then when some when things went awry with that relationship, it hurt to the core. I mean, it hurt so bad. And I developed an eating disorder where I just didn't know what was wrong and I couldn't put words to it or I couldn't put anything to it. And I just just dealt by you know, with bulimia and exercise addiction and not eating. I just I couldn't understand. It felt like I, I guess like any other addiction, and I talk to now my husband and people about it, they're like, oh, you don't know what it's like to quit smoking. You don't know what it's like. And I'm like, really? It's, it's an addiction. An addiction is an addiction. It's something that is gripping you, and you can't let go of it, and you keep saying, okay, tomorrow's a new day. I can, tomorrow I won't do this behavior. Tomorrow I'm going to be in charge, and, tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes and you mess up again. And you just, it wears you down. It just wears you down, and you just can't. I just remember sitting and crying in front of the library at one point going, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. The reality is that Jen's story is not too uncommon. I know even last weekend we spoke at an event together and a young woman shared her story with us. Sexually abused by her grandfather, found the courage to finally tell her family, but they pushed it under the rug in order to protect him. And as a result, she developed an eating disorder. It took reading Nicole's book, Hush, four years ago to help her see how those pieces were connected and to then begin her healing journey. And she came to say that the work had been worth it. And it's encouraging to see that she now has her life back. She's a new mom of a little itty bitty baby, and she's still working through some things, but finally feels free again. There are so many stories out there like this. Maybe you tuned in today and have your own story and your own means of coping that you don't want to carry around anymore. And Mary, you've heard me speak a million times, but you've heard me say, you know, that every time I'm sharing my secret, you know, on stage or in a small group or whatever it is, I find myself in a room full of secrets. And many of them, it's not really that they're talking about their story. They're talking about what they're dealing with today. So it's their inner pain that's turning into outer pain through the things that we've already mentioned, you know, the eating disorders, the self-injury, the addictions, just the unhealthy means of coping. 
And addiction is a really big, unhealthy coping mechanism. I think so many people fall into that trap of just wanting to numb with alcohol, with drugs, just to ease the pain so you can actually function Mm -hmm. and just get through the day. Drinking was a huge coping mechanism, and sometimes it still is. And I sought out illegal activity. I didn't need to do it. It wasn't like I was broke and I had no money. Um, And that's typically why you do that stuff. But for me, that was a way of solidifying this identity that I now had. I didn't feel like it was a choice. I felt like it was a choice that was made for me by what was done to me. So it was never a, okay, I'm gonna be this way now. It was, this is who I am now. If you're like Liz or Jen or Mary or me and have chosen to deal with your pain in some of these or other unhealthy ways, I want you to know that I understand. I know you're doing what you need to do to survive. And it's probably worked for you for a while, but coping in these ways over a long stretch of time will only perpetuate the abuse or the pain or the emptiness that you're trying to escape. It will only lead to more wounds. I think we're never going to stop relying on unhealthy coping until we can get real about the pain that's underneath of that. But I know it's no easy task. And that's why we're here. We understand. We've been there. We want to bring you hope and encouragement for the journey ahead. We want to connect with you, and we want to connect you with others. You're not alone, and you don't have to carry that suitcase of lies around any longer. Today can be a new day, and your load can get a little lighter. So just like telling your secret and your story for the first time has so much power and begins your healing journey for you, I think talking about these coping mechanisms that have gotten you through that you're maybe now struggling with today and wanting freedom from is also a very powerful piece to your healing. I know for me personally, talking about all of these things released me from the past so that I could embrace the future. So much great stuff we've covered here. And Nicole mentioned earlier that so many survivors believe that lie that it's their fault. Well, next time we're going to dive into that. We're so thankful you're here. And don't forget, a new podcast happens every first and third Wednesday of the month. Feel free to subscribe. If you heard something you like, write a review. Even invite your friends so that more survivors can hear about healing. Also, you can find us at IamOneVoice.org or on Facebook.